What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of your favorite Orange County Soccer Club podcast with extra sound effects thrown in because we've got one of our favorite guests of this show. Uh, this is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Play music. We are underway in the postseason, the first playoff game ever played in Orange County. So one, two, Godoy. He's found a great ball into Voltsin. Plenty of time. He smashes it off and doubles the visitors' lead. Thomas and Voltsin. Now Segbert sprinting forward on the counterattack. A little handsy there. Crosses it. Pineda, the extra pass. Seaton finishes. It rolls down to his left and burying aside. All taken care of by the Orange County keeper. Leave it for Aiden Quinn. He'll strike towards goal! And it's gone in! An equalizer and a winner in second half stoppage time for Orange County off the left boot of Aiden Quinn. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore soccer cast and on facebook at orange and black soccer cast how's it going orange county welcome to another episode of the orange and black soccer cast brought to you by roughneck scarves we are the first and only podcast dedicated to orange county soccer club its fans and supporters I am your host, Ray Samora, and I am with you each and every episode as we discuss all things Orange County Soccer Club. Joining me as he does every episode this season, at least, we've got Alan from San Diego. Alan, how are things going? Oh, and this one time at band camp? <laughs> things are going really well. Uh all uh, <laughs> right. You know, things are going really well. Uh, things are starting to cool down. I got some good beer. I'm uh, enjoying a Modern Times Great Notion collaboration, two of my favorite breweries. Uh, so I am having a wonderful evening getting ready to talk about the beautiful game and the uh, most recent Orange County victory. Perfect. And I mean, let's just, you threw that out there. We are part of Beautiful Game Network. I, I think I forget to say this almost every episode, but we are part of that awesome network of soccer podcasts that cover most of the teams in the USL, also um, MLS and even world soccer stuff there. We were just talking about it before we went live on the air about that network of podcasts. And we're definitely glad to be part of that group. Uh, another person that we have on here is our sound effects wizard he's the king of random sounds while we are podcasting uh live from i believe his bed we've got cameron cameron how are things going things are going pretty good i just got my student teaching placement today so i'm still waiting when i report but i know it's not going to be tomorrow so i'm able to watch tottenham play against Olympiacos in the champions league which i'm and sure plus- everyone is excited about but let's talk about Orange County's winning streak. Let's I, let's talk about that. But before we talk about that, let's get uh, – I'm going to quote Alan here. Let's get the elephant out of the room here. Um, or let's discuss the elephant in the room. That's the way to say it. That's the right way to say it. Um, uh, anyone that follows the USL, maybe even anyone that follows soccer in the U.S. knows that some crazy stuff happened over the weekend. While Orange County was celebrating a victory, there was some craziness going on out there in the desert. One of the teams that I think Orange County fans love to have a rivalry against, and I think a lot of 
fans from Phoenix tend to hate Orange County a little bit. I know I like to get under the skin of the Phoenix fans quite a bit, uh, and I'm sure a lot of them hate me. Um, they're not even going to listen to what I'm saying right now. But in the middle of their historic run here now, and they've what now won 20 matches in a row, I believe is what the, the streak is or whatever's going on there. Uh, what is it like in the final 10 minutes of the match? Uh, something gets thrown into onto the field, uh, onto the pitch. The refs stop the game. Something else gets thrown out into the pitch. Someone gets hit. Uh, so ultimately they have to call the game, but because of USL rules, Phoenix was up by enough, I think up by three goals. Correct That's correct. Wrong, Alan. Yeah, uh, three goals. And, and so Phoenix is awarded the victory, although I, I think when you, you look on social media, listen to podcasts around that cover this this wonderful game and the USL in general, um, I guess a lack of celebration after the match because of what happened. Again, I like to get under the Phoenix fans. I know, or I don't know personally, but I've interacted with quite a few Phoenix fans, whether it's on social media, meeting them in person, on our podcast. A majority of those guys are good guys. So uh, it sucks that something like this happens that sort of paints a picture of a whole fan group. Uh, I, I think things happened. Things were found out. We found out that the, the good supporters there address the issue. The team sort of addresses the issue. Um, sort of sucks that it happened. Uh it should have been a night of celebration for those Phoenix fans. And instead it's a black eye for, for the team on their record season here in the record streak. What do you think, Alan? Yeah, I think it's unfortunate. Um, they, they essentially clinched the West uh, clinched home playoffs or home field advantage for the playoffs that night. You win 20 in a row. Um, I think there's what made it worse is there was some, incorrect information being passed out that the goalie had been hit in the face with the can. And I think that kind of exacerbated things in the moment. Um, and then, again, this goes to like the San Antonio game with the red card, like people not being in the stadium had an effect on that because you're trying to tell the story based on the, what you have in the screens in front of you. And what you get is there's a can thrown out and the, the goalie has a bloody nose you're not in the stadium to know that that can was nowhere close to the goalie, that the goalie wasn't actually hit. He was hit in the face with Asante's shot. And I think it kind of exacerbated things to begin with. Um, I do think that it was right to kind of clear the field. Um, you know, you always want to protect player safety. If there's any questions if players are going to be safe, you do need to play clear the field. Um, and then another fan got upset and threw something at it, uh, the lowest dose players and it hit somebody uh, it's unfortunate. I was pretty vocal on Twitter about it and my support of the Phoenix franchise. Um, Dylan and I were out there for the Orange County game. They were nothing but incredibly welcoming. Uh, I was pretty vocal about some of the, the calls during the game, and I didn't get any any feet, like pushback from the fans. It wasn't like they were heckling me. I was wearing Orange County gear. Uh, they were really warm and welcoming. Um and it's unfortunate for the the fan base that a couple people can ruin such a celebration. And Phoenix and their organization have done nothing but great stuff for the league and for their team. And you you hate to see this happen uh, to such such good people. Um, they did police themselves. Um, no punishment was handed down for what I've seen yet. Um, you hope that there's nothing that kind of puts a black eye on the, the supporters. And I know that they're going to clean their own house and make sure this doesn't happen again and address some of those issues. And that's all we can really hope for. People are going to act a fool. Um, you get 7,000 people and there's going to be an a-hole in the group 
who's going to ruin it for everybody. Um, you you got to hope that this doesn't isn't something that's remembered from the season. Like, hey, they you know they won a bunch of games, but um, but I I threw a lot of support behind the Phoenix organization, the fan base, because I just felt bad that a couple people ruined that experience for them. Well, and and I'll say this: I mean, a, a great fan base in general. Uh, when we did our live podcast before the uh, the home game between Phoenix and Orange County this season, a majority of the people that lined up around the tent were Phoenix fans wanting to hear what we had to say about the match. And even though I was still being myself and sort of talking trash on Phoenix, they were all there listening. They were not being rowdy. They were not trying to interrupt what we were doing. They were sitting there listening patiently. We invited some of them to talk with us. They were awesome. They were great. So in general, Phoenix has some great fans, just, you know, uh, just someone probably that isn't even really part of all this causes trouble or you know you know they they like to do all these beer specials maybe just a little bit too much alcohol in people who knows because sometimes that happens uh let me talk to you really quick cameron um i was sort of surprised when i heard that these were like aluminum cans that were being thrown and it wasn't like put into a plastic cup or or what i mean i i know we live out here in in the greater la area i know phoenix has some some major professional sports teams also but from my experience going to places like staples center angel stadiums typically it gets poured into a plastic cup. So I, I can't remember what they do at Championship Soccer Stadium, but were you a little shocked to know that it was like cans of beer being thrown? Well, no, because I've seen – when I covered Galaxy 2 in 2017, they were selling Modelo cans. Like they were still they were still on the can game for a while. So it's – and I'm and was it – it was in Phoenix, right? I need to – I understand context. Yeah. So it was yeah. an L.A. – okay, because um, – I know, prof- I know, like top two professional sporting environments, you use like the plastic cups and stuff like that. You know, so I'm not sure. I don't think the USL is policed on what should be sold because there's obviously cans of beer sold at Orange County games, so it's no different. But it's 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 tragic because you know instead of celebrating 20 games, Phoenix fans feel like they have to defend their reputation now, and some and sometimes that doesn't go away that easy. And so it's like you're almost having to try to rebuild your reputation from the ground up. And I mean, I, I remember meeting a few Phoenix fans during the playoff game, and they were nice people. Um, you're gonna you're gonna get that with every sports team. Like someone's gonna push the envelope and see what how much they can get away with until they don't. And and essentially, the line was crossed and. I mean, it's 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 unfair to label the whole fan base as that because it's the actions of one person. But it, I just kind of feel for the Phoenix fans that do the honest thing and support their team with like respect and be as loud as they can. But now they feel like they might be having to defend their reputation a little bit instead of instead of celebrating such a good thing that they're doing the opposite. They're kind of doing like they're trying to clean they're trying to clean everything up, and it's not fair. That's and sometimes life brings it up, but I think if pe- people shouldn't ever really doubt the entire fan base in of itself. No, it totally makes sense. And, and really quick, let me uh, introduce because he finally made it on here a little bit late, later than normal. Dylan, um, again, how are things going for you, Dylan? And what are your thoughts on uh, what happened out in Phoenix before we move on to the Orange County uh, results? Uh, things are pretty good. I'm on the side of a road again. Um, because that's, that's how I'm going to run this podcast now, just from the side of the road, I guess. 
But I think Phoenix is unlucky here. I feel for their fans. Um, but they really deserve more. Uh, thankfully, they have the uh, such a strong front office there. Uh, my only real gripe is moving away from cans. It's it's hard to um, it's hard to recycle a lot of plastic, and a lot of plastic is petroleum based. So, so my concerns were mostly um, environmentally based. But Sam Dor reached out, and I sent him an email yesterday with a whole bunch of hippie crap, basically. But it seems like they're trying to do a good job of um, making sure that this one doesn't happen again with the can situation. Um, but doesn't contribute a great deal. That they seem to be pretty open to everyone's suggestions about finding something that's um, helpful and um, easy for the fans, but also environmentally friendly, which I thought was great. Um, because although it is the desert, and with the exception of the Salt River, there's not really any water to pollute. But, uh, you know, the last thing you need to do is change from, let's say, 15, 20,000 cans of beer to 20,000 cups, uh, 20,000 plastic cups and all that wasted stuff. So I think all the work that they're going to put in is going to make a big difference um, towards, like what Cameron said, repairing their their reputation at the moment. Um, I really doubt it's ever going to happen again. Well, I think a, a big thing that sort of sucks about all this is probably means a bigger security presence at the stadium for at least the remainder of this season, which means when Orange County knocks them out of the playoffs, it's going to be that more difficult to storm the field there in Phoenix. Uh, hopefully it still happens for the Orange County fans, but just wanted to, to throw that out there. So again, Phoenix, we like to give you a hard time, especially me, uh, but we feel the two fans, the ones that we've interacted with, the ones that we've spoken to in, uh, either on our podcast, at stadiums or whatnot. We know not all of you are that person, uh, but thank you so much. And I think we need to add a new game to this is as you're talking, if, if Cameron makes a weird noise, we need to try and guess what that noise is while we're talking just to figure that out. Taking something out for sure. Cameron, I'm man, on the side of a road heard, and I'm fighting. What is going on? I heard a zipper. I heard like some like liquid shaking, shaking around. Some I was drinking water. I was, drink, oh, I was drinking water. I was drinking water. Hydrating. Let's get into the Orange I, County. I used to hydrate. Hydrate or dehydrate, kids. Let's get into Orange County because Orange County, uh, we said it last week and it's still the same thing. The hottest team outside of Phoenix is your Orange County Soccer Club, especially in the Western Conference. Uh, winners of five straight now. Uh, unfortunately, they're not getting much help with uh, their positioning on the table. Uh, I know tonight the big match while we're recording this is the Real Monarchs versus Tacoma Defiance. Uh, Tacoma got on board, but it was after they gave up two goals to, to Real Monarchs. So right now it's 2-1 in that match. Um, but let's talk about what happened this past weekend. Orange County hosted El Paso Locomotive FC. Uh, and in the words of Dylan, uh, Orange County derailed El Paso. Dylan, uh, how did? what are your thoughts on that match? Oh, no, that was the words of uh, Alan. That was Alan's words. No, that was mine. Alan was, that was too yours. busy watching 1904 FC play. Oh, uh, uh, okay. I was out of it. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. So... I actually don't think we played all that well in this game. I think the offense did a good job, but I think defensively we weren't too good. Um, Christian Duke didn't have a very good game. There were a lot of tackles that he, he missed out on. Um, just Our midfield wasn't the best in this option, but you know it's a good sign when you could, um, you can kind of seed those challenges um, and, and get pushed out a little bit and still, still come away. Um, 
we got lucky early on, I think, with a couple of those breakaways with Kisvetter um, and Salgado didn't end up in goals because they kept spotting them wide. But I think the the biggest thing is um, that the offense didn't panic at any point. They, they stuck to their game plan. They peppered the box with crosses again and again and again and again. Michael Seaton apparently can jump like three and a half feet in the air and, and knock one down. And from that point on, El Paso had no response, which was great for us. Um, kind of seemed like they panicked a bit after the first goal went in, didn't have a response, and then really didn't offer any sort of resistance until after the second goal had gone in for 10, 15 minutes at the, towards the end of the match. But, um, you know, you're going to have not pretty victories in a winning streak. Phoenix has had plenty of those in theirs. But it's, it's always good to get the job done, even if it's, it's not the best performance. Uh, I hope that's maybe a, a performance that scares them a little bit, uh, reminds them that they do need to stay switched on the whole time, um, you know, just gives, gives something for the midfield to focus on moving forward and we can pick up another one. Perfect. Uh, Cameron, do you agree with Dylan's assessment of the match there? Yeah. Um, I think initially El Paso had more momentum at the start of the game. I think they got in behind twice and I think one of them might've been offside, but I think one of them tried to cheat the chip Frederick and it went just wide. They had a little bit of the chances going in, but I think when Seton scored, that was when this, the wind of the El Paso sale um, left and the train fell off the tracks. Uh, to get all punny, but um, I felt it just after Seton score, I think Orange County had a hold in the game, and I think they settled down. I think they started creating chances. I just think they just they played it as professionally as they could in seeing a match out better than what they better than what they did against Portland. Um, granted, that was away from home as opposed to Saturday as as, as it was a home game. Um, Seton is now the all time club goal scorer. Um, he is number one in the charts with 27 total. Um, that's, that's a big achievement for him. Um, I felt the defense played well. Frederick was do, Frederick did well. Um, Jerry had a good game. I think everyone had a good game in terms of just keeping it professional. So it's five in a row. You really can't, really can't complain. And oh yeah, my prediction was two nothing. So <laughs> there we go. Oh wow, um, Alan! I want to keep him honest. <laughs> Alan, let me let me ask you: um, How in the heck did Michael Seaton get his head to that ball and get it into the net? I mean, that, it looks like he contorted his body in a way that's not physically possible, and yet that ball somehow got right into the net there. Uh, how did he do that? I watched it probably about fifteen times to try and figure out how he jumped and managed to get the ball. Cause he's like falling away, but somehow the ball just like perfectly sails. Like the goalies, like what happened to the ball? Like he was expecting the ball to like land and he, him to catch it. And then all of a sudden Seton's like just stabbing it out of the air to put it like, just curl it right into the net. Like I, yeah, I don't even know. Like, You've seen him have heading header opportunities that were like easier and clearer, and not put it as well placed as he put that ball to put it back across the goal in and 
he's just right. He, him and DJ are just playing so well right now together. Um, that offensive fire, like I was looking back at the goal scoring over the past couple of weeks and it's, you know, if it's not Seton, it's DJ. And if it's, you know, it's been both of them the past couple of weeks, um, Forrester gets another assist on that, on that free kick that he scores on. Um, yeah, I, I kind of understand what, what Dylan's saying about, you know, not playing the best game. Uh, and I felt, you know, El Paso probably could have put one by them. Uh, there's one kind of early that goes across the face of the goal, but I think, you know, do or do or whatever, his, whatever you pronounce his last name. Uh, I think he probably has that far post covered. And I think if it's on frame, he, you know, he pushes it wide. Um, and we talked about this before, like you got El Paso who can score goals, uh, not tons, and then doesn't let in goals. He, I, we knew it was going to be a low scoring affair. Um, and for Orange County to score two goals, uh, one on a seat and header, um, it, it's kind of just classic Orange County lately. And, and Cameron puts it right on the uh, nose is that you, you don't always get your best game, but you play professionally and you, you play, you know, you, you rally around each other and you pull out a two nil victory. Um, I think that that says a lot for where the team is right now. That gives me hope going into some of these tough matches at the end of the year that they might be able to go on the road and get a win against a team that, you know, five weeks ago, we're like, you know, that's probably a loss. It's probably a loss. That might be a draw. Uh, you're looking at, hey, we might be able. We play Sacramento and Fresno. Uh, we're playing uh, some uh, some pretty good teams to to walk at uh, in the lead up to the end. And before I was like, I don't know, I don't know, but I think that the way the team's playing right now, it gives me hope that those games are going to be pretty competitive, and we can actually pull out some victories against some some of the top teams in the West on the road. Well, I guess what you can that too is is playing those tough opponents that you're battling for position it's going to keep you fresh instead of maybe taking a game or two off where you know you don't really need the victory or you don't need it so you can sort of go easy i mean you're going to keep that pressure on you're going to be able to keep that run of form hopefully uh, heading into the playoffs there cameron you wanted to say something really quick well it's like it's um i mean the what the american playoff system goes like you want to play well at this time so orange county yeah, we did. We didn't do as well at the beginning or even the middle of the season, but now we're getting hot at the right time. And Dylan and I, I think we were talking to Pete Nugent after the game, and he said, "Like, we, yeah, it's like, yeah, we won the Western Conference. We didn't even get like a footnote on Twitter or something like, and no, we didn't get no post on Twitter or something like that." And so it kind of shows how the importance of just playing well at the right time and the nature of our playoff system that, you know we go into the playoffs with all the momentum and to, and Saturday night show that we can just keep going despite how we play. Perfect. Um, I don't know if Dylan's still around right now to uh, throw in his uh, information on that. I, I, I know he had to step away for a moment. I think it's a BRB. Okay, perfect. Um, let's do this. Cause I know you said you watched the replay like 15 times, uh, Alan, uh, did you see, like, I, I think even Michael Seaton was a little shocked that he was able to get to, I think he makes his facial expression like, um, yeah. Uh, and Dylan's back, by the way. So answer really quick, Alan, then we'll get to Dylan and see what his thoughts are and is, see if he saw Michael Seaton's reaction to that goal. Yeah, I think Walker Hume was, like, more excited than Seaton was. I think Seaton was, like, he gets up. Yeah, and I, don't, <laughs> I, and I don't know if he doesn't know that it went in, 
or he's just, or it's Michael Seaton going, yeah, I scored that goal. I, yeah, of course. Like, who, like, was there any doubt that that ball was going in? Uh, but yeah, he, he gets up and I think he's a little bit surprised at that ball. That ball goes in and you can see Walker Hume, like just kind of giggling about how kind of freakishly amazing that, that goal was. Because no, not only, not only he got up, he was falling back. So it's like to him to get that much power falling back and still being able to get that goal in. And so that's, that's wholly impressive. Dylan. So you want to, you want me to talk about the goal? I mean, yeah, the, the Michael Seaton goal. It's a great cross. It's a, it's a stellar cross. Maybe it's I, 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 I was going to say, we, none of us have mentioned anything about the actual feed or, or serve from Aiden Quinn, unless Alan did. Maybe he did. It was Quinn. I wasn't listening Aiden to Quinn, like, dummied it. Harry Forrester oh, okay. puts his foot through it. Okay, okay. Places it really well. Um, and, and Mike just uses all, I mean, God, he's got to be so strong to get, get up there just to do that. <laughs> and, and then from then on, whatever weird body yoga <laughs> situations going on to – just direct that towards the goal. I mean, he couldn't put any power on it, but he floated it just enough and got it down. I mean, that's amazing. Um, like Alan said, he he's missed easier chances, but who cares? I mean, honestly, you put you put the ones away, and you celebrate the ones you put away. And, well, and we know Seton must have like a, a future, maybe Cirque du Soleil or something like that with the way he's able to contort his body on that one. Cause again, I'm just shocked. I, I'm amazed by it still. And I'm so amazed with it. I forget who even uh, fed him that ball. I'm so used to Aiden Quinn being the kick taker on those situations. You know, it's one of those things where I guess I just was automatically thinking, Hey, Aiden Quinn gave him that pass. Um, anything else about this match that anyone wants to discuss before we, I guess pick our man of the match. I'm good. Keith Vetter is oh, like he's pathetic. It was funny to watch him lay around on the ground a few times, rolling around, clutching his ankle, like right in front of the ref, asking for a foul, and there was no contact. Good stuff. Just <laughs> um, truly impressive. Um, it's embarrassing when you're six two and you have to do that. Like if we saw Seaton rolling around every game, clamoring for fouls, it's just embarrassing. The next thing he'll be uh, claiming that balls that touched his hair are his. Those are gold. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Alan quietly thinking. You know, any last thoughts on this before we pick our man of the match? No. All right. Perfect. So we'll go around. Uh, let's start off with Cameron. Who is your pick for man of the match in this match? I'm going to say Michael Seaton. I think that him not only getting that goal, but becoming OCSC's all-time leading scorer is a massive achievement for himself and for the club in general. And I think he's he's done himself well in linking up with Darwin Jones and becoming the main the main man in the attack for Orange County since Edda Voltson left. And you know he's been pleased playing well at the right time, and Orange County can only benefit from his performance. Dylan? Michael Seaton. Um, just the amount of chances he created, the, the hold up play, the link of play with Darwin Jones, and then that goal. Uh, he really he made sure that that game was under control for Orange County. I can't give it to anyone else. He truly is on fire. Perfect. Alan? Yeah, I was like, I can be contradictory and say do for the shutout. 
uh, the clean sheet. But I, I do think the way that Seaton's been playing, we've kind of waited for him to kind of bust into form. And we give, I mean, last week we talked about this a lot, but I think a lot of the success of that match uh, boiled down to Seaton. Like he was coming back and picking up balls uh, well in our half of the field. Um, he's just kind of playing a game that he, he just looks so confident on the field um, that it's it, it's it's really nice to see him play the way that I know he wants to play. Um, and it's really kind of, it's lovely to see that happen. Uh, I can't be happier for him because I know that's exactly what he's wanting, wanting to be doing all season. And it's now really kind of clicking for him. Yeah, you know, uh, this is now our second season with Michael Seaton on the pitch. I, I'm going to pick Seaton as my man of the match as well. Uh, I think, you know, looking at last season, looking at this season, he's a second half of the season player. He seems to somehow find a way to just hit some sort of extra level the second half of the season. Did it last year, is doing it this year now. Um, perfect timing to sort of make that run to get into the playoffs and then make a run hopefully deep into the playoffs. Um, and then, you know, we still have to try and get him on the show so we can do a rap battle. Um, Michael Seaton versus Ray uh, versus me. Hey, um, somehow maybe we'll make it happen. If any players listening or if Michael Seaton listens to this podcast, hit us up, let us know. We'll get you on here. We'll do a little uh, rap battle and we'll let uh, our listeners decide who's the winner. You should have the camera to it and have him just make random noises the entire time. <laughs> He's going to be our the beat. Provider. He's going to do the beat, yeah, with all his random noises he makes. That'll be awesome. Um, let's I'll, move, I'll record him. Let, let's move ahead now. Let's uh, we gotta we gotta keep riding this winning streak, right? As Orange County is now one five straight, uh, they are currently with, way, with the way standings are looking. I think sitting what sixth uh, yeah. with. Well, I think with oh, the way the, the, won, the way the monarchs, well, they're I think still playing, or is it over? I don't know. Well, uh, I'm looking at has nine players, so yeah, let's just say it's over. But I'm looking at Google. That's just over as a four-one victory on eighty-four minutes. Okay, so with that, Orange County will be at six, but they will be even in game with Real Monarchs and Sacramento Republic ahead of them. Each of those teams will only be one point ahead of Orange County, so still a chance for that fourth seed and and home advantage in the first round uh, but they have to take care of business they have to keep up the uh, quality play the good run of form and they have to keep winning matches which means this weekend they have to win again uh, this time it's going to be on the road which i know you know if you listen to alan at each and every episode you know go for a point hope for the three uh, but they are going on the road to face is it tacoma right oh no tulsa tulsa, tulsa. I knew it started with a T. I had to come on my mind because I'm looking at the standings for what's going on right now. Well, and um, they both play in baseball stadiums, so they're basically the same team. Yeah, basically. And, and um, I will say, I, I wanted to try and get someone on to talk about Tulsa, uh, but they no longer have the podcast that, that I, I know we had. Um, I forget his name, but he was on the Tornado Alley podcast. He joined us in some one of our very early episodes. Um, to talk about it, and I, I think he's no longer doing it. So they actually don't have a, a podcast. So any Tulsa fans want to start up a podcast, do it. We'll we'll get some uh, some stuff to listen to from you. But they're taking on a Tulsa team that hasn't had a great season. I guess to say it nicely. Um, what are your expectations? I'm going to go to Alan because he's always talking about get a point on the road, get a point on the road. Uh, Alan, uh, 
are you still playing that uh, get a point on the road, or are you saying this is a three-pointer or bust? Um, I think at this point in the season, um, it's going to be important to get a win. Um, I know I know Dylan has some thoughts on this game, uh, so I'm going to concede my time to Dylan <laughs> so he, he can talk a little bit and then hop on his bike and drive some more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ray never looks at the chat, so I don't know why. I, I never do. I never do. Um, Good job, Alan. Yeah. I got you. Um, so I've already written the, the preview for this week. Uh, I, I remember at the beginning of the season, we all thought Tulsa was going to do super well. Um, no one was marking that fullback, uh, Luca Lobo, and he just kept scoring. He was, he's like 6'2", so they just crossed to him, and, and he'd put it away on a set piece, and no one ever bothered to mark him. And, and since March, they haven't had a good time. They haven't scored more than two goals in a game since March. Home, away, doesn't matter who they're playing. They've struggled. Um, they're, they're basically the same old Tulsa. They had some good results here and there. Um, they've had some unlucky results um, where they just, you know, fall fall short a couple minutes early, uh, a couple minutes before time. We've done the same thing, but I, I can't. Even with the home field advantage, um, it's been a hot summer here. I can't see. I can't see Tulsa really getting a result from this one. Um, I think he'd go for three points here and he'd settle for a draw, not the other way around, uh, especially with the differences in form and, and in league play at the same time. All right, now we can go to Allen, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think um, Tulsa is two wins, two draws, and a loss in their last five. Uh, but if you kind of look at the, the score lines is like, They've scored, like, if you look at, I think it's like 36 goals scored in the year, but, like, nine of those were super early in the season. Um, if you remember the first time we met them, it was a 5-3 loss, and then two weeks later they score four against Tacoma, and that's nine of their 36 goals scored total. Um, they don't score a ton. Um, they've kind of been averaging right around a goal a game for the past several weeks. Um with the exception of El Paso and Fresno at home uh, scoring two. Uh, so there's a really good opportunity the way we've been playing and scoring goals. And if we can put two goals in, uh, we can definitely walk away uh, a happy team. Uh, I think if Tulsa keeps Orange County's offense at bay, it's going to be tough for us to, to pull out a victory. Uh, but the way that the offense has been playing, there's so many threats Um that I think it's going to be hard for them to stop. They have a, a big center back who can clear some balls out, uh, very similar to Walker Hume. Um, but they don't have a ton of – like, you look at their goal-scoring list, and it looks impressive, uh, but it's really boiled down to one or two players, much like El Paso last week. So if we can key on those offensive players, um, we're, we're going to be all right. Um, this is a winnable game for Orange County. Uh, it just not, might not be as pretty as we have used to seeing with some of our home matches. It's probably going to feel kind of like El Paso did last week, where it's not going to be a pretty win. Um, it's not going to be, it's not going to be um, the greatest offensive soccer. Uh, <laughs> but I do think that this is a game that uh, that Orange County can win. Um, as long as we uh, keep our eye on some of their, you know, a couple of their offensive players. And, and I'm trying to look back because I can't quite remember, but I remember there was like one team last season 
that was bottom of the table uh, or near bottom of the table that we just couldn't do anything against. I think we lost both matches. I want to say it's RGV. I can't quite remember. I, I guess my biggest worry is, is Tulsa that for us this season where um, for whatever reason, we're definitely the better team on paper, but we just, for whatever reason, can't win. Uh, and we drop both matches. I'm hoping I, I that's not the case, but uh, I, I'm a little worried that maybe Tulsa's that team this year for us. Cameron, what are your thoughts? I mean, I mean, I haven't really paid attention much to Tulsa this season, but um, I remember like looking at like fan groups and stuff like that. It's, Tulsa did pretty well at the beginning. I think like both Oklahoma teams were like one, two after two weeks, <laughs> and but hearing like if they're like two wins, two draws and a loss uh, in their last five games, they, they've been playing, you know, doing enough to get points. But I just think that Orange County is rolling in with such momentum that not only are we winning at home, we're also winning away. And Tulsa is not, not really cream of the crop in terms of teams like the West this season. And so I'm just thinking that, Orange County might just roll through and might might just take all three points. I mean, don't count your t- chickens before they hatch, but you know we were doing it both home and away. So it's I just can't see what Tulsa can do to Orange County at this point, considering where they're at. And they can score goals. I don't know. I'm, well, it's just like if we're, if we're talking about the, if they haven't scored more than two goals like in a game or scored one, like an average one goal game since March and goal scoring is a big issue for them. And our defense has been solidified. We got a back four that we can play, like we can roll game in, game out. And Frederick being a great keeper so far, I just don't see where Tulsa can hurt Orange County. And Orange County has all, all the momentum at this point. So I'm I'm hey let me clarify I did double check yet yeah, it was RGV that Orange County lost both matches last season which RGV finished 13th in the table um so it happened last year where you sort of dropped both games to uh, a lower uh, table side um and then the other thing I'm looking on here is it looks like Tulsa hasn't played since the 7th uh this match is going to be on the 21st so that's a full 2 weeks um it could either benefit Tulsa or hinder them uh, you never know when you have that big of a gap. It could be they can rest up players, come in fully fresh against the Orange County team who's been consistently playing each week um, and playing important matches. Or it could be one of those things where you do take that time off. You're a little rusty coming back after a two-week break. Um, so we'll see what happens on that. But uh, with the way Orange County's been playing, uh, all signs point to them being able to probably come out victorious in this match. Uh, when you look at just what's been going on, the run of forms for the two teams, um, and the, what both teams are fighting for at this point, I, I you know Tulsa is not really fighting for much. Orange County is fighting for positioning. Um, so, yeah, great, great time, I guess, to be Orange County. By the way, as we're talking, Real Monarchs have yeah, four to one. I think we we learned that a little bit earlier, but um, yeah. So, anything else to talk about this match, Alan? Uh, no, I just um, I'm always a little bit skeptical of teams when they go on the road. Um, you look at like the you look at the right. You look at the kind of the, the way the like USL goes in general. Uh, usually teams play significantly better at home. 
but I think this is going to be a really good test for Orange County to see what their road form is like. It's been good as of late. Uh, I think that uh, they go in there and are businesslike like they were last week. Uh, I think they put another marker down to say, look, you know, we might have had some road issues in the past, uh, but we're here to compete on the road and we can we can beat a team that, yeah, on paper, they should definitely handle. Um, Tulsa doesn't look great on paper, but you wa- you watch some of those games they are pulling out a 2-1 victory against Fresno. Um, they're definitely going to beat teams that don't come in there and take them seriously. Uh, but I think this is a good marker for Orange County to say, "Hey, we figured out kind of our road woes, and we're gonna go, we're gonna go on the road and beat some teams because I think they're gonna need to in order to to really challenge if, uh, in the playoffs. They're gonna have to win some games on the road. They're not gonna be at home uh, like they were last season. Uh, so I think it's really important for their confidence uh, to go on the road, get a get a win, um, take care of business." Um, and walk away uh, from Oklahoma, not only saying, or from Tulsa, which is, I guess, in Oklahoma, that works. Yeah, yeah. Um, but walk away saying, look, we're, we're a team to beat. And, you know, you're looking at Reno, who's figuring themselves out again. Sacramento's on a three-game win streak. Real Monarch, I think, is up to is up a two-game win streak. Like, New Mexico is coming back around again. And Orange County is going to, if they win this weekend, are going to be like, look, everything's been rosy for some of these teams but we're going to be a dangerous team to meet in the playoffs we're peaking the right time um and this is going to be a a good test uh road test for orange county so let's do this let's um get into our match predictions and our key man of the match let's start with cameron on this um prediction on score and your key player i'm gonna go with orange county two nothing over tulsa I'm going to say the player to look out for is Darwin Jones. I think that he brings the pace and him linking up well with Michael Seaton will create cause problems for Tulsa. And I think he just has that ability to break the lines. And if he makes a few good runs and Aiden Quinn picks him out, like he can create can stretch that defense out, create a chance to other people. And I think that he can do a lot of damage in the next game. Perfect. What about you, Dylan? Um, I got to agree with Darwin Jones. I think his pace is going to be the thing that really um, kind of, if he, if he can run through channels through the Tulsa defense, that'll be a, a good key for us. I think it'll be up to Michael mostly rather than Aiden to, to make those passes. Um, but I think 3-1 Orange County, I don't see us getting a clean sheet on the road. It is more difficult. Um, I think Tulsa will offer problems for Orange County. Um, not big enough problems that they'll pull a win away. So, yeah. like what Alan said, like what we've all said, really, is they do still have to show up. They do still have to take this seriously. Um, Tulsa's had a lot of time to prepare. Um, but Orange County's got that, that form and that talent uh, working in their favor. Uh, Alan, your turn. Um, I got a 2-1 win for Orange County. Um I, I think Tulsa Tulsa probably gets a goal. Uh, I was watching some of their game against RGV, um, and they are beatable on the back end um, on the wings. Uh, I do agree with Dylan. I think DJ is going to play a big part. Um, I think uh, Van Wolfgang is going to play a big part uh, of really kind of pushing the envelope 
as far as uh, the front on the wings. Uh, I think that there's a couple of plays where their outside backs were definitely beatable, and those balls back across the box are going to be super important. Uh, I think the build-up play is going to be important. I think we're going to have a lot of possession on the road again. And I think really taking our time and really breaking them down um, and holding on to that possession is going to be really important. I think if Orange County goes on the road and plays like they did against Portland, um, where they it looked like a home game for Orange County, uh, I, I think they can find two goals. And I think when if, if they score two, they're going to win. Perfect. And um, before I get to my prediction on the YouTube channel, the live stream, uh, Retro Sports says Tulsa sucks. You will have more of a challenge on October 5th. And they are predicting a score OC9, Tulsa negative one. So I don't know how that happens, but hey. Is that uh, like your own goal? I, I guess. Uh, Dylan, <laughs> I, I'm sure you know what my prediction is going to be. And I, I know you still do not think this works, but five matches in a row, so this triggered. has worked. I'm so triggered, man. We got to keep this going, right, Dylan? I mean, I got to no, keep doing don't. it. Okay, let's, let's take a vote. Dylan says no. Cameron, do I still have to do this? <clears throat> I mean, I said 2 nothing last weekend. It was 2 nothing. I said it again. More reasonable prediction, 2 nothing. <laughs> might have it again. All right, Cameron's um, not helping me. Alan, do I have to do it? Do I have to do it? I I always support you, Ray. Yes. Oh my so God. my prediction for this match yeah. is 5-nothing. Five 5-nothing five Tulsa in this match. Uh, five matches in a row. It has worked against my prediction, and Orange County has won each and every match. So I'm going to keep the keep this thing going. I'm saying 5 nil Tulsa. Uh, enjoy Tulsa. Hopefully that's the closest you're going to come to winning this match, but 5-0 Tulsa is my prediction. I Ray, the, Ray the Doomsday I Merchant. By, I just jinxed it by saying that afterwards and saying that's the closest they're going to come. But no, that's that's in all fun and honesty. Let's, let's go with that. Woohoo! We got through that. Now we got to just... Uh, is there any other soccer news to talk about at this moment? Besides, we already talked about the Phoenix thing. Um... I know Cameron's going to say something about Champions League, and I'm sure Alan will have a rebuttal about Liverpool and their Champions League stuff. And then uh, it was terrible. Say, Dylan's going to say bye-bye, at, uh, Andy, at this point. You're not listening anymore. I'm just predicting what's going on. Um, just some USL news. Uh, San Diego will kick off at 2020. Uh, so Orange County fans uh, start uh, circling some dates on your calendar to uh, come down for the away match. Um at USD Stadium or uh, Torero Stadium, USD campus. It's a gorgeous campus, gorgeous stadium. Uh, and uh, I can't wait for you guys to come down to uh, my neck of the woods to actually watch a USL game. Well, uh, the big question, though, is gonna, what, what are you going to be wearing at the game, Alan? Are you going to be wearing the orange and black or whatever colors or, uh, San Diego picks? No comment. <laughs> You're going to have to get one of those like jerseys where the front half is one team, the Dep- back half is another team. Depends on if the check clears, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I think uh, – I, I, talked, I talked about this on Twitter a, a bit lately um, that uh, Orange County as a team and as a fan base have been so welcoming to me and my fandom of USL in general. Um, I'm going to be pretty torn uh, – leading up to kickoff. Uh, it is the town I live in and I want to support local soccer in San Diego. Cause there has been so little love for local soccer in San Diego. Uh, but I hope to continue to, uh, 
to be involved with Orange County uh, and their success in Orange County as well. Uh, I did put my deposit down for season tickets. Uh, so I'm hoping to be uh, a supporter of, of the San Diego, the budding San Diego scene, uh, but also uh, would love to still be involved and support local soccer in Orange County. Cause I think when Orange County is successful, uh, Southern California is successful and I can't wait for that rivalry to build up because the rivalry with Phoenix is one thing, but I think driving up and down the freeway, um, I think it's just going to push soccer in Southern California to a different level. And I can't wait for that community to continue to, continue to grow. And uh, I know you mentioned before we went on the air, something about late October is when we can expect maybe team colors crest. Yeah, that. they're talking about late October, maybe early November, uh, as far those, as team those name. Burgundy, those burgundy kits will come out. Right, the Ron Burgundy kits. Uh, the only thing they've told us officially is that the team, the uni- that United will not be in the team name. Uh, they feel it's been overused. They're looking for something a little bit uh, more unique. Um, but we're still, there's people that know, but they just won't tell anybody. They're keeping it under wraps till November. Uh, but I know there's going to be t- plenty of people Googling things and looking up uh, trademarks and registered names and trying to figure that out because they're going to have they're working on that right now. So I'm sure people. Yes, um, I'm sure people are going to be Googling, Googling like crazy uh, and like sports teams are going to probably trademark three or four names. I'll trademark, um, I'll trademark the name right now. San Diego Red Star. Uh, that's what it's going to end up being. We know, we all know that. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think it would be kind of funny if they do have like a burgundy third kit as kind of an homage. Although San Diego people do not like Anchorman references because they hear him. We hear them do, all the time. They could even do like Vegas does. Instead of having the emoji under the shirt, it could just say stay classy San Diego or something as you lift up your shirt. San, San Diego. Maybe it'll yes. be a picture of Baxter. <laughs> so they just pull, pull the up and, they've got and we'll we'll be face. we'll be like Tottenham where we'll offer a whole wheel of cheese to be eaten during the game. They they close they they never opened that cheese room, so too bad. The cheese room the cheese room is scrapped for the stadium. RIP cheese room. RIP cheese room. You were never born, but you're still RIP'd um, there at the great stadium, the greatest stadium. I think Alabama Lawnmakers are gonna go crazy after Tottenham now. Okay. So um, that maybe have been a little too subverted <laughs> uh, any other soccer news uh from dylan or cameron before we move on to our random thought of the episode oh ter- terms of soccer talk, news <laughs> i mean big daddy arente getting that second goal against liverpool double agent <laughs> um how was that how did that then, go alan uh, we're still champions of europe <laughs> Not wrong, not wrong. We lost, <laughs> they lost to Napoli last year. It's just a good omen. Look at the good, the, the, pause, finding positive in the negative. Hey, Dylan, how's your Champions um, League stuff going over there with Luton Town? Um, it's all right. They dug themselves a pretty big hole against QPR uh, over the weekend, but came almost came back 3-2 on the road. Uh, had a reserve match against Brentford today, and, and they won. I don't know. I'm just waiting for Saturday. So, again, sound effects going on while you're talking, Dylan. Cameron, are you using like an old school typewriter or something? It sounded like you were using like a, an actual typewriter was making that sound. But no, I was just I was just playing with my spare car key. Okay, okay. Um, I, I didn't mean to cut you off uh, before we wrap up everything. Go to our random thoughts. That was Last it. thing you want to say, Cameron? 
Um, Forward Madison beat Milwaukee Torrent two to one. And from what I heard, it's the last time they're using their pink away kits. I'm not too entirely sure, but they did win their uh, Wisconsin Derby match. Yes, the astonishingly shiny cup of all cups is the cup that they won uh, tonight. There's a you should check it out on on Twitter. Uh, they even have like they bought like a really tiny, terrible cup, but the artwork is fantastic. Um, I want to say the artwork was done by um, good old Wisconsinians. No, um, was it Mike Peterson? I think. Um, I know who that is. He's uh, all over the USL Twitter. Fat uh, seven dude, Tampa Bay's four. finest. <laughs> look at look at Dylan. Yeah, excited about that. Um, yeah, let's do this. Got we got to really move on. Cat. We got to move on because we got to keep it at an hour or less, and we're we're cutting it close here. So we're gonna go move on to our random thoughts. I'm gonna go to Alan first for random thought. Go, Alan. Uh, my random yeah. thought is. Um, Air conditioning is awesome. I know I talked about this before, uh, but it's been really hot lately, and I don't have AC. So when I go to my car and I drive in my car, I always crank up the AC. So those of you who have AC, please enjoy it for me, because uh, I will be needing it for another couple weeks here in beautiful San Diego. Uh, so those of you who have beautiful air conditioning, turn it on, pour a glass of beer, and enjoy the cool air blowing on you for the next couple weeks. Um, the other... My other random thought is um, I don't have one. All right. Cameron. Random thought. Uh, haven't, I didn't think about one. but uh, You knew you were coming on the show, Cameron, right? And you didn't plan a random thought to say? I took like an hour nap before I got on the, before I got on the pod. Um, uh, I'm just like. The credential program, they just like pile you on with so much work. And it's like lesson plan after lesson plan after lesson plan. That you'll and never like use. They, <laughs> I know I know. Like it's just like they want to make sure you pass your TPAs like with flying carpets and colors, you know. I'd pull a trailer park boys reference right there. Um they want they want they want to make sure you fl- pass with flying colors. And so like they just pump these lesson plans into you and i'm just i'm like looking at computer screen i'm like we never even like had to walk through this and i have to like justify every act it's like oh my head's gonna explode all right Ram thought today <laughs> dylan what about you are we reading a book or is there something else no it's a poem it's a poem um it's, it's a poem a lot of the time uh, poetry is wonderful. This week it's Corey Mark's Broken Music. It's just a, it's a ton of couplets. It's a super easy read. Um, just a really nice piece. You can find it online, um, poets.org. It's actually their poem of the day. So for the next two and a half hours, just look at yesterday's because this comes out on Wednesday. Um, it was Tuesday, the 17th poem of the day. Um, other than that, I don't know. I've just had a lot of positive uh, like discussions with people from all over soccer and, and life and whatnot. It's just nice to to have some positivity in life. So, you know, when that person cuts you off, maybe don't give them the finger, and just like put it behind you and and move on from it. And when someone drives by with an obnoxiously loud BMW M4, uh, you know, and ruins your podcast, whatever, you know, because you're the one on the side of the road. So 
So I hope everyone's doing well. Um, you know, this run of form has been really exciting. It's been nice to see everyone in good spirits at games, and I just hope that the rest of everyone's lives is, is just as rewarding and, uh, and just as good as form. I'm just like a sappy hippie at this point, guys. I mean, can we be like zero waste and, and like just sit in a circle and, and sing Kumbaya and give each other hugs? No, it's okay. That's my um... This week, hug, give eight <laughs> positive touches to those around you per day. It will make everyone happier. All right. <laughs> cool. Uh, my random thought for this uh, episode, I know uh, people that follow around social media, people that t- discuss Orange County Soccer Club, there's this sort of uh, thought that Orange County needs some sort of mascot or something to represent the club. I know the thought is uh, a parrot. Uh, and I know if you look at the County Line Coalition logo, they do have a parrot as the logo on there. Um, for those of you that live in certain areas of Orange County, you'll understand why there is a parrot on the County Line Coalition shirt and why some people think that would be a great mascot to have for Orange County Soccer Club. Uh, for those of you that don't know, go check it out uh, because, yeah, th- th- there's a reason for it. There's some noisy birds that are wild, but they don't quite – they're not supposed to live in this area, but somehow they are around. So, um Hey, hit us up on, on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Does Orange County need a mascot, or are you totally happy with it just being Orange County SC uh, or OCSC? Uh, I think we're good on all this. We just need to get through the uh, the normal social media information. So we'll start off with Cameron. Go for it, Cameron. Uh, you follow me at on Twitter at what Cameron said. You can follow me at on Instagram at simply known as Cam and Reddit. I'm also simply known as Cam. Alan. A. Underwood, 48 on the Twitter machine. Oh, and this one time at Bandcamp. Dylan. That was so stupid, Ray. Um, you guys <laughs> can find me on Reddit, <laughs> slash u slash OCSC underscore Dylan. You can find me on Twitter, at OCSC underscore Dylan. And uh, I'm working on a, a SoundCloud. So wow. I'll, I'll let you guys know next week. Perfect. And you can follow me on Twitter at DJ Ray Samora. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at OCSC underscore soccer cast. Also on Instagram, exact same thing. Facebook, just search for orange and black soccer cast. You'll find us there. Oh, you can go to our website, uh, OCSCpodcast.com or orange and black soccer cast.com. That's going to wrap up our episode here. So for Cameron, for Dylan, for Alan, I am Ray. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, and we are out. Thanks to our sponsor, Gruffneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to the MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com.